This is Esther Galeas, the tax lady from EG Tax. Um, thank you for joining us on our weekly podcast. Uh, we love giving people information that they probably could have never gotten anyplace else. We want to make you as smart as you possibly can be about your own taxing situation. And, of course, anytime you have a question, you can go to our website at egtax.com. Ask the tax lady. Happy to help you. you can, there's also our phone number right there, area code 716-632-7886. We will talk to you. <laughs> like every, unlike other places that don't want to talk to you. I mean, we do want to talk to you. Right, I was going right, to say, uh, yes, for the out-of-state listeners, we do have a toll-free number, but most people don't get charged for long distance. But just in case, 1-800-829-9998. 1-800-829-9998 is our toll-free number. That's true. That's true. All right, that was Christopher Fabian. Hey, Chris. Hello, Esther. Hello, Christopher and Tiffany Fabian Atex. Hey there, Esther. Happy uh, day to you. People don't know it. They're not brother and sister. They're husband and wife. So, (laughs) I mean, whatever bantering goes on, it's, you know, husband and wife kind of thing. I just talked to somebody and they're like, um, was there somebody named, do you have a daughter named Fabian? It's sort of a, I've been common-ish, name-ish, sort of, I find. Anyways. I mean, that's such a pretty name. You know, Fabian. I mean, my name's Goulias, you know. We're going to rummage up some Goulias. So, so, Goulias, that's right. Uh, So today we're going to talk about sale of capital assets, which is really, this. we're we're taping this today before any tax laws have been changed. So if this is before any of the Biden changes in the tax law, we we cannot be held responsible for whatever they're going to do. I don't think they know what they're going to do. So we're going to talk about sale of capital assets, looking at things right now. We may allude to what we heard is going to happen, but until it's passed, we don't know. But what we're going to talk about presently is sale of capital assets. Now, First of all, a capital asset is what? Anything that has a useful life of more than one year that has tangible value. So the list goes on and on and on. A car, a a coin that you trade, um, your house, um, your... Really, if you read, I think you'll see that they say a capital asset is everything but... Uh, inventory, uh, cash, right? I mean, so it's mostly everything that, and, and depreciable assets. And that's because those are held, those are, so those don't have different tax rates. Like for instance, inventory goes on where? A, ske- a Schedule C, going back to our or, last or an 1120S, right? Yep. Right. So yep. inventory redu- is used dollar for dollar to reduce the cost of goods sold. Right. Correct. So that's why it's not a capital asset. Okay. And so, and cash is just cash, right? Right. Because cash doesn't go up and down. People don't buy cash for investments. They just try to get some. Yep. Right? Well, except if you're then, you know, not the old school generation, we'll say the, the young hip kids who are doing cryptocurrency. 
cryptocurrency right. is but that's, a that's capital still asset. considered a capital asset. That's what I was because saying. Re- you're right. Regular currency printed by the federal government is not a capital asset. The cryptocurrency is. And depending upon how you use it, it could really be interesting because if you're trading it, it's a capital asset. But if you're taking it for payment of a of an article, that's different. Right, Chris? Correct. Right, right. Because if you're using it to buy your daily goods, that counts as a business. So now you have to do a Schedule C and you could be subject to self-employment tax. Right. And then the third kind of asset that's not a capital asset is a depreciable asset. Because when you sell a depreciable asset, you have to recapture all that depreciation. Right. And that's done if it's sold at a gain, it's a 4797. So that's why those three are not. But everything else you look at is a capital asset. You look on your desk and you say, that's a pen. How can a pen be a capital asset? Well, it's a personal capital asset. And if you sell it at a loss, losses on a capital assets are not deductible, are they? But a gain on a personal capital asset is. So if you bought a pen as an investment, because it maybe was John Hancock's pen that he signed the Declaration of Independence for, then that's a capital asset. Right. And and if it's sold at a gain, it'd be taxable. But your own pen that is a personal capital asset sold at a loss is not deductible. Correct. Very well explained. Right. Good example. So so that's but if you look around your world, those are all capital assets. If they're personal held by you, sold at a loss, they're not deductible. But a personal capital asset sold at a gain, it is taxable. Right. But but the second thing about capital assets is they have they're like touched by God uh, when you go to sell. Because why? They get a preferential tax treatment. You could pay, possibly pay zero or I should say not pay on your gain. Because there's a zero percent tax rate for capital gains. Right. So when people when people say to you, "Oh, I hate it. I got a capital asset," don't you say to yourself, "You guys are really missing the mark." You are because capital assets, if you're in a low enough tax bracket, you pay zero on, and that's the same thing with dividends, right? Qualified it is. dividends. Correct. Correct. Not the qual. So, not the other so ones. Qualified, but qualified dividends can be taxed at a zero percent, and so. Because capital assets have a different tax liability and computation, you have to use a separate form to correctly determine what that liability has to be, right? You do. So what form do you use? A Schedule D, which then goes to an 8949, and it depends if it was short-term or long-term, and there's an A, a B, or a C. Instead of the tax tables. Yep. Right, so... So let's say that I'm a do-it-yourselfer. I use a pen and a pencil to do my tax return. I don't want to use that form. I'm just going to pay on my regular tax rate. Mm-hmm. How is that a problem? You're shooting yourself at the foot because you could be <laughs> paying no tax, but instead you're exactly right. paying tax at whatever your tax bracket is. And so you're shooting I mean, yourself in the foot. I mean, is there ever a time when if you just include it as regular income that it's uh, the same rate? 
uh, after the same rate? No, because even no. the 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 right now the most you're going to pay is twenty percent, and that's right. if you're in the highest tax bracket, which is thirty six percent. So so you're saving sixteen percent. Correct. Right. Yes. So if you don't lose, if you don't use that form, and let's say, let's say it was a hundred thousand dollars that you didn't, you overpaid by sixteen thousand dollars. Only sixteen thousand. No big deal. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, here's people looking all over for tax shelters, right? And because they don't want to use the form, they overpay. And if that is you and you're listening, amend your tax return. Yep, you have three years to do it. Right. And so then you would get your money back. Right. 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 (laughs) The IRS is so so behind, it'll take a while. <laughs> and that's another mm-hmm. thing. So, okay, so we know what a capital asset is. We know that that gets special tax treatment, but you kind of have to look at it even a little deeper because you have to find out whether you held the property, the capital asset, for a year or more or less, right? Correct. Because why? Because if it's a year or less, that's a short term, so that gets taxed as ordinary income. If you held it for more than a year, that's long term, and that's where the preferential tax treatments come in. All right. So then if you were counseling somebody who said, gee, I think I can make $90,000 on this stock, and I've held it for 11 months and 22 days, what would you say to them? To hold it a little bit longer. You know, I think this there's a good example. Didn't you talk to a client the other day, Chris, who was selling a personal house who didn't have it for more than a year? Right, right. How did that, what was that example? Right. Well, that's, that's going into personal residence. Your mother's, talk, Esther's talking about right. stocks. Right. But right. I mean, I know I had a client this year who was new into the market last year and he did really well. He made a $2 million profit and <laughs> buying and selling stocks. The problem was it was all short term. Right. I had one like that. So too. he ended up owing almost a million dollars between the federal. <laughs> yeah. The federal and the state. Well, oh. but the money went back into the market. Oh, no. So he didn't have the money to pay. So oh, now he's on God. a payment plan with the IRS at like $70,000 a month. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he's paying, and he's paying interest, interest on and that. penalties and on penalties. it. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And it wasn't worth him his while to take the money out of the market? Well, you would think that's what people would do, you well, know. Why but... would he have done a... Um, uh, a an investment interest where he would borrow against. Well, the... he was new to the market and had no idea what to do. Oh, Esther, that was a good idea. The investment interest. Yeah. Wow. That is so sad. Okay. So um, yeah, because you get investment interest if you borrow it against it on your portfolio, right? Yep. That and was you can really... take that as an itemized deduction, but you don't get any deduction if you're paying the IRS interest. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Even though it's for an investment. Yes. Right? Very okay. smart. So And so here's the thing. Um, and if you listen to our podcast, you'll know that what you don't know can kill you. Mm-hmm. Or cost you a lot of money. Or cost you a, money, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of money. Okay. So, so we have long and short term. So if you can hold, so if you can delay the sale 
of your asset till after one year has passed. You save yourself a lot of money if it's sold at a gain. Correct. Now, Correct. what if it's sold at a loss? Does it make any difference? No. No. You get to claim no. 3000 a year. Right. Now, let's look at this so people understand. So let's say I have a stock where I have a $25,000 loss, but I also have a stock that was sold with a $50,000 gain. Now you get Do, to use... Am I taxed on the, on the $50,000 gain and I, and I can't take the loss of the twenty five? How does that all work? No, that's pretty cool. So that's part of tax planning. So now you get to take that $25,000 loss and use it against the gain. So you only have to pay tax on 25,000. So that is, that's called tax planning. And so you want to use those losses. Losses dollar for dollar against other capital assets first before that capital asset is taxed. Correct. Right. Yep. Yes. Whereas if somebody didn't have a big gain on that same 25,000, they'd only get to use $3,000 a year until it's gone. Because that's what you can carry forward. Correct. Until, well, or let's say that we only had that $25,000 loss and I can only take 3000 against other income and I'm carrying forward 22000 But next year, I have a $30,000 gain. I get to call up that whole $22,000 that I was carrying forward to that's then right. shelter that $30,000 gain, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So there's that. All right. Now. Your home is a capital asset. It's a personal capital asset. But if you live in your your home as your own personal residence for two of the last five years, you get a big tax break. How does that all work? Yeah, if you live in there and um, sell it after two out of five years, and if you're a single taxpayer, you get to exclude up to $250,000. And if you're a married couple of the gain, you get to exclude up to $500,000 on the gain of your personal asset, which is a, a really wonderful thing. So you could sell that house year after year and make lots of money and ride off into the sunset and not pay tax on it. I mean, if, you know, people are always saying, I'm putting money in a Roth because I don't want to pay taxes when I retire. I'm putting money in a Roth. I'm putting money in a Roth. Uh, but here it is. You can exclude, again, up to half a million dollars in your personal residence every two years. Correct. And it's completely tax-free. Completely tax-free. Yeah. And the market is, is crazy right now. So I don't know anybody who does gold, that. Gold mine. <laughs> you don't know anybody that does that? No. <laughs> I, I've been doing it my whole life. I mean, and of course, Chris has just been tongue in cheek, but um, it, it, I love my personal homes. I love them. But every two years, if the market is going to make me a profit, I sell the house and buy another one. Mm-hmm. And I completely let the game go. I mean, there's nothing wrong. Uh, now, this cannot be true, though, if it was investment property, correct? Right. Right. If it was rental property, your second home, that doesn't count. It has to be your primary residence. Right. So if, let's say, and there's a lot of, I know, for instance, many times people live in duplexes. So let's say I live in half of the duplex. And the other half is rental. But when I sell it, I sell it as one unit. How is that handled? 
You got to split the price in half. And do one side as your personal asset. So you get that beautiful uh, setting aside of gain. And then the other one, you have to, um, you have a gain on and you have to add back all your depreciation. And so that one, you're probably going to be paying capital gains on. Right. Right. So, so that would be how to handle. Yeah. And you might want to. Part rental, part personal. Uh, dwelling. Right. You right? might want to explore the notion of doing a real estate exchange, which is a really good idea. So that might be mm-hmm. something for another show. Or- yeah, well, no, no, but we got a minute for that. Let's touch on it. So let's just say that you had a half rental, half personal, and you're selling the personal portion. And let's say you're selling it for 250000 and you're selling the rental portion for 250000 mm-hmm. You can actually, if you buy another investment property another rental as long as it's like kind of like kind so it'd be it would be real estate for real estate if you defer if you buy another piece of rental property for instance doesn't or investment property uh that's equal has equal or greater value then you can take instead of paying taxes on that two hundred fifty thousand, you can defer that gain by doing a 1031 exchange Right, right. So, what you do? So here, this person sold their rental half for two fifty. We'll say their gain was a hundred and fifty thousand. You buy new rental property for three hundred thousand. You, in essence, what you do is you take your gain and you subtract it from the the purchase price of the new property. So, for tax purposes, you're only depreciating one fifty instead of the 300000 So you're starting your basis off lower because you're deferring the gain. Right, right. But what a deal. It's, it's, what's, it's interesting. I had a client the other day who did that. He, he did a 1031 exchange. And as, the, as life would unfold, he is selling his personal residence that he and his wife moved into because the real estate market is crazy and they're making a half a million dollars, which is going to be tax-free, right? Then he also sold another piece of investment property and he's making like 400,000 on that and he has nowhere else to live. So guess where he's moving into? He's moving into the 1031 exchange (laughs) and which is not going to be taxable because he's not selling it. So, I mean, he's going to end up smelling smelling like a rose. Obviously, when he finally does sell it, then he's going to have to pay taxes on it. Yes. Yep. On his 1031 exchange. All right. So, and and, and what's so great about talking like this is that I hope you guys, you listening, understand that there are so many angles in tax law that really – you want to take a, a you want to make sure that you're talking to somebody that knows what they're talking about. Yeah, and you know what, Esther, maybe Chris could bring in that example really quickly about that person who called you about selling a personal residence. Yeah. Right. So they're moving from Buffalo down to Tennessee, um, and they just uh, lived in their house for a little over a year and a half, and they're going to make a hundred thousand dollars. So. They're worried about paying tax, but it's for work. So they they get to oh, yay. Yep. They don't get the full two hundred and fifty thousand exclusion, but they get the two fifty divided, you know, 
it's I, I, 18 I months. Single, it's a single, single person. person. Yeah, okay. 18 months out of 24. So three quarters of 250. So they get basically 180. Okay, so what They're you're exclusions. saying is if you, like in tax law, everything's got an exception. <laughs> If you moved because of an ex, of a situation beyond your control, such as health, such as your job was transferred you, something beyond your control, then then that twenty four months you get to exclude out of that two fifty if you're single, five hundred filing a joint return, one twenty fourth a month for each month that you live there before you were transferred until you get up to that two fifty or five hundred dollar. Uh, figure. So if you have a reason to move, if your company transferred you, your health uh, went to hell in a handbasket, um, your your spouse had to move. I mean, all these things, then what happens is you get to then allocate part of that non-taxable portion based upon the number of months you live there as your personal residence. Right. 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 Okay. All right. So moving along from there. Now, Let's say that you're somebody who's philanthropic and you have this great big and you want to give to charity and you have this Apple stock. And if you sell it, you're going to pay 20 percent. Right. Because that's the max you're going to pay. And then you're going to pay New York State 8 percent. So 28 percent. What if you what if you decide to give the Apple stock and it's now worth one hundred thousand dollars? And and you think to yourself, well, but I only paid ten thousand dollars for it. So you got a ninety thousand dollar gain. What's one of the ways you can do it and take full advantage of it and not pay taxes on it? You give the stock to your charity of choice. So and they, and, and they you get a hundred thousand dollars. And you get the hundred thousand dollar write off. So instead of paying twenty eight percent, you're saving twenty eight percent. Right. So instead of writing the check out of your checkbook and keeping the Apple stock, let's you say I'm going to write a hundred thousand dollar check to my charity. But instead, what you do is you give the Apple stock, and so if you would have taken it as a deduction, you would have gotten the hundred thousand dollars, but it, you didn't get any benefit. In this way, you get the full hundred thousand dollar deduction, and if you're in the twenty percent bracket, you save. Uh, twenty thousand in taxes, right? Yeah. yeah, beautiful. So, I mean, hello, hello. I mean, because it's what you don't know that will get you. All right, now, let's say it's Christmas time and everybody's at and everybody's feeling loved and romantic and happy, and so Grandpa takes out the deed and he says, "Junior, I'm giving you my house, which is a capital asset, right?" What happens if Junior gets the house from Dad? Well, that's bad because it goes back to Dad's original basis. And so that just, again, that's an instance of shooting yourself in the foot instead of getting a stepped-up basis. So it goes back, rolls all the way back to Dad's original so basement. When, Dad, when Dad finally passes away, if the house was given to Junior rather than inheriting it, Junior has to pay the taxes on the difference between Dad's cost, Right. And what Junior's selling it for. If Dad had let Junior inherit it, Junior would have gotten a stepped-up basis and would have paid little or no taxes at all. Right? Right. That's right. So, 
I mean, it ain't so easy when you're looking at a Schedule D to do your capital assets because it's really complicated and you want to make sure that you talk to somebody and EG Tax is there to help you. You can call us uh, at 716-632-7886. Visit our website at egtax.com. Until next week, I'm Esther Golius, the tax lady with Christopher Fabian and Tiffany Fabian. Have a great day. Bye-bye. New friends, new opportunities, new partners. 